Welcome to the Haunted Hacker Podcast, May version one, episode one. Um, today we have Alex Berta on, who is pretty awesome, has a really awesome background. I won't steal his thunder, I'll let him talk about it. Um, to start off with a little bit of news, uh, I'll be speaking in Africa at the end of the month uh, for um, Cyber Starters Conferences. Um, you can find them at cybersecurityconference.com, I believe, or cybersecuritystartersconference.com. Um, also, I will be speaking in Cyprus, I believe, next month or the month after. I just got the deal from them. And ICE again in October. They saved me for their uh, cybersecurity awareness month. So that should be truly interesting considering the U.S. government hasn't had a whole lot to do with me in the past couple of years. So um, with that being said, I don't have any other news. I was. So without further ado, Mr. Berta, take it away and tell us about who you are. Hi, so I'm Alex Berta. I've been in, I've worked in information security for over the last 20 years. I've done everything from teaching, working in CTI, vulnerability intelligence, uh, doing attack and pen with, you know, different agencies and government entities all across the country. And I, I, one of the things I focus in, this is a little different than a lot of people, but I focus on a lot of uh, dangers of social media for like, you know, parents and younger kids identifying and exposing like things that, you know, pedophiles and threat actors do through social media. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, I've been on that bandwagon for about a year now. I was actually in a docuseries um, called Hacker Hunted about gaming and social media and how it affects kids and the type of evil shit that goes on on those platforms. And I think it, it all kind of came to a pinnacle this month when, you know, we've had politicians involved in social media and fights about that. Right. And then now you have a billionaire buying one of those platforms. You know, it's yeah. no longer a social media platform, a true social media platform. Now it's a political platform. You know, there's no room for, for kids in that discussion. Um, and the majority of the people on those platforms are under 20 years old. Yeah. Um, so you got to think about the risk. So tell me, tell me about the kind of stuff you do to, to bring awareness to that type of situation. So that's, that's really interesting. So I, I did a talk with uh, like the military, the U.S. military and bases all over the world, uh, you know, telling them essentially like if you think about it, military kids are more susceptible to talking to strangers just because we're used to packing up, moving and then making friends immediately and then moving in three months and then making friends. I did this all growing up and that's something I, I wanted to talk that everybody about in, you know, in the army and the Marines and in the Navy was about that because these kids, you know, they're connected and they're talking to everybody and they're, they make friends quick, but you know, they got to use their head when they're doing that. So when I first started doing this, I reached out to a lot of organizations and I was like, Hey, I want to talk to you about the dangers of social media. And they were like, we, we don't have any problem with that in our town or schools or city. And I'm like, no, like really, it, it's a really big thing. So one of the things I do to bring awareness to it when I'm doing my talks is I find local like news stories within the last week about human trafficking, sex trafficking, you know, all types of stuff. And, and I show it to them and be like, hey, like when I came here, this person said that this wasn't an issue, but let me show you some news headlines that you may not have seen. And they're like, Oh, like we had no idea that hotel down the road that rents by the night or by the hour was really an issue. And it's like, no, it's really, really? an issue. <laughs> issue. So we we really, depending on who I'm talking to, are the different talking points. But we've covered everything from human trafficking, sex trafficking, and organ trafficking. Hmm. Like a lot of people are like, oh, that doesn't exist. No, like it's a very real thing. And I live in the middle Tennessee area, uh, right outside of Nashville. And Nashville is like a hot spot for it. Like, cause you can be anywhere in the state in three hours from Nashville. And we see people come in, they're here for a little bit and then they leave. And then the next day the Amber Alert goes out, you know? And we see that over and over and over again. And 
a lot of it comes down to the parents of being like, I didn't know who my kid was talking to online. Like I thought I knew, but I had no idea what these like 30 apps were on their mobile device or tablet. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a big problem. So, you know, I try to do the same thing. I went to the PDE, the Pennsylvania department of education um, summit in Hershey, Pennsylvania last month and spoke to a room full of educators and the things I was showing them were very basic, you know, how to hack a cell phone, um, what happens when a kid gets hacked and something like Fortnite, um, kind of things that, that the kids that I come into contact with are usually the ones coming out of prison. And I usually help them and the probation officer get adjusted and move into like the real world and cybersecurity and all that good stuff. But a lot of these kids start out in the same areas, social media, gaming, all that good stuff. But you'd be surprised like when you start talking about these things in front of educators, there's, there's just no knowledge there. there. There's a huge gap there, and they're not sure how to solve that gap. I actually had a CISO um, during my presentation challenge me and said, I've gotten pen test reports back for the past year or so, and there's been zero findings whatsoever. My network's good. So why should I be concerned? I said, well, for two things. For one, you should probably be concerned about the people you hired to do the pen test because that's absurd. Second of all, there's no network that's unhackable. And and trust me, there's probably a kid sniffing traffic on your school's network right now. And he's like, well, we do most of the things in the cloud. It doesn't matter. It's still connected. You're still getting access to those apps. They're finding ways to circumvent protections on those laptops to get to those social media platforms. Kids are, they're an interesting group, especially the kids now. And I always say, if I had a 10th of the knowledge that these kids have at my age, this conversation wouldn't be happening. I'd either be a billionaire somewhere or in prison, one of the two. (laughs) But so with the military, tell me about the military, because when I guess it was about 15 years ago, maybe, maybe less, um, Tom Ryan, a good friend of mine, did a research project called Robin Sage where he created a social media profile of a female that was a intelligence analyst and hit all the major social media platforms, LinkedIn, whatnot, befriended people in the joint chiefs of staff. I mean, it was, it was pretty massive and it was kind of a lesson to them that, look, this is what social media is. And this is how we found where, you know, first mech was deployed in Iraq or wherever um, based on photos and exit data and all that good stuff. So tell me your approach to, the military in comparison to your approach with schools and children and stuff like that. So my approach with the military is I'm very raw. Like that's, if you're going to be raw with an audience and show them everything and anything, those are the people that do it with. And we, with them, I kind of did the same thing. I create two profiles. I create a young girl and a young boy, and I have them sign up for the same social media platforms and I'll post a little bit on them, but you know, not a whole lot. And then I'll show them the comments that come in, mm-hmm. you know, the young girl, like the things that are said to her by people that are over the age of 18 is like 100% horrible. Mm-hmm. The young boy that I create, like a lot of it's like, Hey, younger people, like let's hang out. But then, you know, you get them into some of those groups with adults, the, the tone changes really mm-hmm. quick. Because a lot of people think like, oh, I have a young boy. That's not going to happen to him. And that's the message I get all the time. And then I explain to them like, no, this is what's going to happen to that child, like boy or girl. And I go into really like deep detail with it. And I can do that with the army. I also show them like subliminal message videos that are out there, like on YouTube kids and stuff. Mm -hmm. These videos promote like suicide uh, by taking your parents' happy pills. You know, like if you're feeling sad, go in your parents' cabinet and take their happy pills, but you take like the whole bottle. And it's a video of this kid, like taking a whole bottle of pain medicine and downing it, you know, or, you know, if, your mommy and daddy are upset, like pick your favorite one and kind of like take out the other one Mm -hmm. type deal. And these are, and, and like listening 
to these videos, they sound like children's videos, right? right? Like something off Sesame Street. But the imagery that they're showing them is not Sesame Street. It's not puppets. It's it's very graphic in detail. So have you watched Looney Tunes recently <laughs> as an adult? It, they're not very, I mean, there's a lot of subliminal stuff in there that watching as an adult, you see like the war references, the different oh. types of like political oh, yeah. agendas and all kinds of things from Looney Tunes. It's pretty, so, it's pretty hardcore. Since the dawn of cartoons though, the government yeah. and other entities have used that, that platform or that, that vehicle to start educating kids at a young age. I, I remember like that there was a uh, public service announcement. It's called first things first or something like that when we were kids. Um, but recently I had to give a history lesson to somebody I met about Disney and Walt Disney and the Mickey Mouse clubhouse, Mishka Mushka, Mickey Mouse. And I explained to him that back in the early days of Disney, there was a problem with communism inside of Disney. And there was rumors that, you know, Walt himself was a communist. Well, if you watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, of course, you see Donald Duck in a Russian sailor's outfit. You know, they're speaking Russian in the very beginning. And people, they thought that that was just part of the song. Like, literally, that was the, the theme song. And I'm like, you really need to pay attention to what your kids are watching. Right. Um, especially the videos that you're talking about, Alex. Uh, a lot of the gaming videos that I see on YouTube, same thing. It messages yeah. the kids. Oh, yeah. One of the things that we had uh, an issue with, like, in the 2010 era, you know, when we were really in, like, the war of terrorism, mm -hmm. we were having kids, like, go on to, like, Call of Duty and Battlefield and every other, other games, and they were actually being reached out to by extremists that yep. were playing the games to use for intelligence collection, and the kids, like, don't know any better. Like, if I was a kid... And you asked me what my dad did in the military. Like, I'm going to tell you because I think it's really cool. Right. As an adult, I am not going to tell you what he did in the military. And these kids were just like handing over info left and right. And it, they were being used for intelligence collection. And, you know, there, there had been reported cases, a couple of them of young girls that were convinced to, you know, go overseas and they became jihad brides and then they were sold off in slavery and you know those people that they're talking to are very convincing when they're talking to you they know what to say they know what to show you and we're we still see that even today even if it's not extremists these are a different type of extremists that we're dealing with you know whether it might be some family annihilator online that like is wanting you know some child just the hurt their family one way or another or if it's you know some challenge that we're seeing you know being posted on social media that can result you know like we saw uh one with ice where you know the kids would put ice on their skin and they would try to hold it as long as they could but there were other things like they amplify it being cold you know apply salt or whatever to it and they were getting burns on their skin uh, from the cold temperatures yeah, that's crazy. And, and it's sad because, you know, we've gotten into a habit, our generation's gotten into a habit of babysitting kids with electronics. And that's my biggest gripe and biggest complaint. When I see a two-year-old with an iPad and he knows exactly where to go and what to click on and how to play it, that's a problem. At yeah, two years old, they should be learning how to walk and how to talk and, and all the good little, little people stuff. But we're throwing them into an adult world from the time they're able to click on something. And it's just, it's sad. And there's, there's no repercussions. The social media platforms, if you email them with a complaint or you report somebody, I cannot think of a single time that I have to fill out a report that something's been done. And we're talking about defending kids, you know, kids getting a message in their inbox, you know, and me reaching out to the social media platform saying, Hey, this is not acceptable. And they do nothing about it. Um, it's because it's become a business and a political platform. And once something on the internet reaches that level, we no longer have control over what goes on that platform. And the platform no longer cares about what's going on either because yeah. they're dealing with bigger fish now. Um, but social media is so bad for everybody. You know, when I watch, you know, people living on their phones, I always step back from social media and kind of like sit on the fringe or sit on the fence and just kind of watch from an outsider's in perspective. 
And the amount of sickness and cancer that, that flows through social media has, is just disgusting, especially Twitter. I'm, I'm glad, personally, I'm glad that Elon Musk grabbed Twitter. Um, maybe we'll get a different view, maybe not, who knows, uh, or it may just turn into Republican light, who knows. Um, but I, I don't think it's safe for kids under 18 to be on social yeah. media. And that's yeah. my point of view. No, I mean, I agree. It's very damaging, especially like if you remember, like when we were kids online, like in the early 90s, like we had flame wars, right? Yeah. Like kids would kids would not be able to survive that today. I mean, we were we were very cutthroat online and very like personal attacks. And, you you know, you don't see that online now. But, you know, yeah, they, they can't. Yeah, kids don't need that. And no. especially younger kids. And um, they answer your question about schools. Like when I go to schools, I get a lot of laughter and a lot of kids that think this is funny or, you know, they won't put their phone down for five seconds to see what I'm talking about. So those kids that do that, they become my subjects that I aim every single question at them. And I had this one kid, he was dying laughing. The whole entire time I was given this talk, oh, this isn't going to happen to me. This isn't going to happen to me. And I'm like, okay, cool. I was like, let me tell you about a kid that said this wasn't going to happen to me either. And I, it's a really sad story. It took place here in Tennessee. A boy sent a text message to another boy saying that he liked him. And they're in middle school. And of course, you know, this other kid took that screenshot and he shared it throughout the school and the young man that sent that he ended up taking his own life like we're talking we're talking hours like after it was sent because all all the messages that you know came to him in his mind he probably thought this nothing bad is going to come of this if i share it out but, you know, police showed up to his house. They arrested him. You know, there's there's repercussions for things. And when I explained that to him and I went into detail about it and in, the, you know, as much detail as I could that school would let me about what these people would do to a child mm-hmm. or the, diff- the different groups that I see on social media where they're doing child swapping and, and things like that, that his, his attitude completely changed. Because mm-hmm. I said, I told him, I was like, you're the target range that they want. I was like, you're a young male, you're athletic, like, you know, they're going to go after you, you know, if, if they wanted to. And after that, all the teachers were like, yeah, we never thought about that. And I was like, yeah, yeah you brought up a couple of things. Like I, I talk about this all the time. We have this bad, um, I don't know if it's just the United States, but I feel kind of like because of social media, it's kind of generalized that it doesn't matter until it happens to me attitude. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's never going to happen to me. But when it does, it's like, oh, my God, why didn't you stop this? Like, we have to get that mentality. But there's also that side of like where it can slip over part of the reason. Perhaps there's two reasons, I think. One, um, there are studies that have shown that like these the electronics and the games and all of these different things act as like op- they have an opioid like effect they're very addictive you know so they i mean there there's been you know retreats for kids to go out into the woods like their parents send them off they're like you're addicted to you know technology but like that's not feasible for everyone so there's we've got to find a way um and you know the other is like we've got to kind of stop it being so fear-based like yes, this may not happen to you, but if it did, what, like, these are some things that you can kind of just look out for instead of being like, okay, but what if you're, what if it happened to your friend? Like, you know, think about like how to relate it and not so much of a fear base to them. Cause I mean, it's to me in a way, not, not the examples that you said, but like, if we're so focused on the worst case scenario, like it doesn't have to be that bad, but like, what if somebody, you know, like you don't understand the repercussions that it could intend to, it doesn't always have to be worst case scenario. Um, you know, think about it, you know, so those are a couple of things that like, I, cause I, it is a problem. How do we get to the kids? They're not paying attention a lot of times. So they're like, yeah, whatever. But I mean, you bring up really good points. Like you have to kind of delve in, but you can't do that one-on-one and we need the parents to do it. How do we get to them? Well, right? it needs to, it needs to be a government push i think um i know over in europe especially the uk and the nca the national crime agency really pushes 
on a national level, um, that type of information and in campaigns. But when was the last time you, you woke up on a Saturday morning, turned on the TV and saw a PSA like we used to see when we were kids? Uh, it's been eons since I've seen any kind of public service announcement geared towards kids about anything. And it's almost as if that whole generation has been lost because we handed them a cell phone and an iPad. We're done. Now we move on to the next generation and fuck them up too, I guess. I don't know. But it seems like that whole generation, once Gen X, you know, became parents, it was like, we no longer have time for this over here. So I'm going to hand you an iPad. If you sit over there and be quiet, I don't care what you do. I'm not even going to look, but babysit yourself. And I think that mentality, the, the, the family unit within the U.S. and the social constructs that we have, I think the family unit itself has been damaged over the, you know, the past 20 years. And there's not so much as a unit as there is separate pieces of it. And the kids are paying the biggest price. Um, one kid that, that I worked with just recently, um, he had gotten hacked and I looked at what had been going on. He took me through it and, and talked talk me through it. And it all had to do with gaming, but they met on um, Discord and they were playing Fortnite together. And hey, kid, you know, here's a file. Why don't you take a look at this file? I'm building this new map for the game. So, what does he do? He obviously clicks on it. Next thing you know, all his accounts are hijacked. And it's like, this is happening to kids from adults all the time. Now, imagine that same situation, but let's say it's their cell phone, right? An APK, the kid downloads a game, he thinks it's a game. And next thing you know, ge uh, his geolocation is given away every 10 seconds, uh, microphone, webcam, all that good stuff, right? This happens daily. But parents, most people I talk to have no clue. They think the biggest danger their kid is facing is their laptop getting hacked while they're playing a game. And I'm like, you're not even taking into, into account and in, into consideration all the physical harm that can be done. Plus all the harm to your family. Like you're saying it's just your kid and it's just the laptop, but shouldn't those two things be really important in the whole scheme of things? Yeah. I worked a sextortion case that was around gaming where a guy was giving this other young boy, you know, gift cards, like mm -hmm. the you know, V bucks and all of this stuff. And whenever he would ask for something in exchange, you know, the kid would do it. And at first it was like small things, you know, like, Hey, right. like be on at this time to play with me. And it'd be like middle of the night, you know, yeah. when he wasn't supposed to be on. And what he was doing is he was grooming them. Mm. And then from there, it like escalated, Hey, send me some pictures on discord yeah. or get on, get on wicker or signal, mm. send, send me photos. And so the kid, you know, he did you know, he didn't, didn't know any better. Nobody has ever told him no. And then from there, it like escalated and the guy asking for more and more from this child. And it got to the point where, you know, Hey, I'm uncomfortable with sending you a video or whatever. Right. Well, if you don't, you don't send me a video, I'm going to take these photos. I'm going to send them to your parents and your Whoa. school. So wow. He was leveraging that, you know, which is classic extortion. But we see this all the time around gaming, you know, because, you know, if I were to offer you a $50 gift card, no strings attached, you know, you're going to take it as a kid. But there's always strings attached. These people that are like grooming these kids online, they know what they're doing. They're master manipulators. Like they, they're going to get what they want in the end. We got lucky with this because the parents noticed that this child was starting to act weird, started not doing well in school, like just mm. stress and anxiety. Like every time he would get on and play a game, like they said, you could just see, like he didn't want to, even though he wanted to play the game. Wow. And, and so they got a hold of a mobile device and they found out and the authorities, you know, were notified. And like this guy, just like the conversation, it was, let's be buddy, buddy. And then, you know, if you don't do what I say, like, this is going to happen, like, you know, threatening, you know, like an 11 year old, you don't yeah. do that. No. And, and that's pretty commonplace. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it happens. You know, I have people all the time message me on discord and like some of the things that people say, like when I'm gaming or whatever, cause I'll just like throw my discord name out there. Like, Hey, shoot me a message. Like, I'm interested to see who's actually going to do it, right. but it's like these 
people our age, like, you know, hey, how old are you? You know, and I'm like, oh, I'm yeah, I'm 13. Like, let's have this conversation. Right. And and because I want to see what tactics they're using. So when I go educate my people, I can say, hey, they moved from this to this. Mm-hmm. And it seems like those communities of like the, you know, attackers, they all talk with each other. Like we've seen it on social media. I worked a, um, well, I didn't work. I found and ended up kind of working it, but a child swap group and right on Facebook. And just like you said, you know, I reported it so many times they did absolutely nothing. But for those that don't know what a child swap group is, say I have a kid and Kim has a kid and they're both about the same age. We swap kids for the day. Whatever happens, happens. Whoa. And it was on, it was on Facebook. Like it's one of the things I talk about in my, my talk and they would share pictures and videos and, you know, different things. And then, you know, of course there were like some onion links on there. Like if you wanted to go talk in private, you would go there, but a lot of people didn't, they talked right there on Facebook about whatever they were going to do. And I had brought this up many times, the law enforcement, federal Facebook, you know, like everybody. And they were just like, what do you want us to do like and i'm like do your job shut like, shit down yeah. yeah go go after it and it, it took some convincing and the group ended up getting shut down but what did they do they just spun another one up with the same name put a number two behind it yeah. a couple of days later it has 800 people following it you know yeah i i got the response from law enforcement at one point we were doing a crackdown on pedophiles and the group i was with we outed thousands of them and the response that we got from law enforcement was don't do that because if you do you're ruining ruining a probably an active investigation and i was like bro these people have been on here forever yeah every day that goes by there's another kid that's a victim so if you're not going to do it we will and we'll do it for free um, but they didn't like to answer because it damaged their investigations. And I, I get that. I understand that. But being a parent and having a kid and, and knowing what goes on as time goes by to the poor kids that are locked into that situation, the fact that you're ruining investigations shouldn't even be a concern. It should be, let's go take care of this problem. You know, we have a bunch of amateurs that are able to shut down 2,000 pedophile profiles but the local police department can't pull in 10. It's just, it, it, it seems like, I don't know if it's the red tape or if it's that these guys have gotten so good that they found a way to operate within the loopholes or the fabric of the law. Um, because that's a lot of what I find, you know, I, the, the same people who used to be the flamers when we were kids, they've grown up and they're still the same people. So I've dealt with some of that stuff in, in the wake of, uh, become a podcast host and all this stuff. Um, But what I found is those people don't change. And unless they do something about what's going on now with kids, guess what? We're going to have a shitload of adults coming with the same problems, with the same attitudes, doing the same shit. Well, that kind of brings up, I was thinking of that, like when Alex, you were talking about like the parents, you know, like don't really notice and, or both of you guys were talking about that. Like, and part of it is they don't care either. Right. So I mean, I, I don't know how many people I talk to that are our age and even younger. I mean, I mean, you don't have to be more than 20, like to have a kid. So like if th- that 20 year old is playing games the entire time that kid is born and doesn't care about any kind of security or learning anything, they're getting just the same thing. It's not just kids. It's the adults too. I mean, they're getting their life savings stolen. It's not just like, I'm going to say on a happier note, let's talk about bank fraud, but like, <laughs> like right? but, but it's true. Like these adults aren't, it's not just adults to kids. It's adults to adults and the adults right now don't care how, like there's a systemic problem that we have, like, again, and it, part of it goes back to, it doesn't matter until it happens to me. Well, it's too late. Just the, how do we get the education out there? And Mike, you brought this up before and about like this should be in school. We've all talked about this should be in from like kindergarten, pre-K. They're coming the like from the very beginning talking about this. This should be part of, you know, educational courses, you know, and yeah. everything. Yeah. 
yeah, instead of all the craziness that, that they fight over in school, like who can wear what shirt and all that good stuff, they should mm-hmm. be teaching this shit. You know, like this is what you need to be careful of. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's probably not going to happen in our lifetime. And the reason why I say that is because our parents got shocked with the amount of innovation and progress in technology in such a short amount of time. And so when you look at parents and those parents that have young kids, that same shock in technology is there because now the kids have all these multi-platform games. Um, they have the ability to talk, you know, to neighbors or to whoever across the world in a matter of seconds. When we were kids, we didn't have that yet. That wasn't mainstream. Um, so that technology gap, one thing I've had to, to do, like working with law enforcement overseas is sit down and talk to the parents and find out what kind of technology they have in the house, what kind of technology the kids have. So what are some of the things to look at or look for if you think something's going on? You know, where to go to look to find those log files, where to go to look to find those connections and whatnot. Um, because parents just don't know, you know, they go to work and they come home, they have a Wi-Fi router sitting in the house, but give me 10 people out of a hundred that knows how to access that, that don't work in cyber. And I'll give you a hundred bucks myself. Like it just does not happen. Um, and even some people in cyber have had to help set up their routers. Like, is this a real question? Um, but yeah, the, the, the problem with the kids, you know, that, that really concerns me. Um, but those same predators that are working the online forums, the online games and whatnot, are also reporting back to other groups. Um, one thing that I found is organized crime groups pre-pandemic operate a lot in the streets, right? Well, that, that whole thing has started to deteriorate and fell apart during COVID. So what they did was they started recruiting kids and other people in these forums and games to carry out their shit in order to get money to fund other operations. So you had organized crime going into games to recruit hackers. They knew how to mod, knew how to take over accounts. And now they work for organized crime, making good money. And that's, that's all they care about is what it looks like to be that person, car, house, whatever. Um, but the, a lot of organized crime runs those rings on operate on online and carry out operations that focus and target kids, which I think is sick. And they do that to fund the rest of their operations. It seems absurd. And one of the things when I started doing my research and all this i did things like that i reached out to other criminals on like dark web forms of hey like i'm writing this like will you talk to me and a lot was like go go to hell man blocked kicked off a form marketplace whatever i I was done but every once in a while i would get that one person that would be like yeah you know i'll be i'll be straight with you you ask me straight questions with no like hidden meaning in it or whatever try to pin me up against the wall and i'll answer it truthfully so that's what i did i approached these people i talked to them and they they were saying the same thing hey this funds a bigger picture mm-hmm. and we let the kids have fun because they're get they're making money and they're doing something that they like they don't see any issue with that the kids don't see any issue with that right yeah but then you get Go ahead. One of the things that I found interesting was I actually, when I was doing all this research, I talked to somebody that was involved with organ trafficking, like never in a million years that I think I would be talking to somebody that like harvests organs, but it was the same thing. And it, that went back to medical systems, like in the country that he was in, like broken, you know, so broken, like rich person comes in, pays in cash, needs a new kidney, you know, there's no new kidney in the hospital to give or organ donor list. They pay somebody, that person goes out and gets it. And I mean, he, this guy went into detail on like how to pick people and and everything. And that's something I talked about in my class, because a lot of people think, oh, that doesn't happen in the United States. Oh no, it happens right in our backyard. We just don't realize it. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that too, is a medical system. I remember when I think it was a blacklist. Uh, that I was watching at one point and they were doing a, a show on organ trafficking and the whole, I thought it was a joke when I was younger, when I was a kid about taking a bath in ice. And then I realized it, that's what they do. They literally yeah. drug these people, extract organs, leave them laying on a bed of ice and they go 
cash out. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's the dark web and the darker side of the internet is a lot darker than most people or professionals like to think they know it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things on the dark web that you just can't unsee. And a lot of cybersecurity professionals talk about the dark web like it's like this mysterious black hole. Where, oh, spooky. And they make fun of it. But unless you've actually been and operated in the dark web, there are parts of that web that you'll probably never see and you don't want to see. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I've been on a lot of places, you know, for investigations and everything that like you're talking about. And I mean, like right when you said, you know, like there's things that you're not gonna be able to unsee. I mean, I have an image like burned into the back of my brain that will be there until the day that I die. And it's probably one of the most horrible things I've ever seen. Uh, on the internet or in person and I've seen some pretty messed up things in person and yeah like yeah I mean I have students that joke around they're like oh I'm gonna get on the dark web I'm like okay do you want me to help you set up tour like whatever (laughs) then because I know they're they're gonna make it to like maybe a form or something and they're gonna be like oh no like I don't want to click on anything or it's gonna scare them off right but then I have those that are like you know, I spent eight hours on it last night and let me show you these sites, Mr. Berta that I found. And I'm just like, Oh no. And like, they, 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 you know, a lot of them are like hacking stuff, but I'm like, you're doing that from like a test lab environment. Right. And they're like, no, I did it right on my laptop. And I'm like, get it out of here. Yeah. Mistake number one. Yeah. I, um, when I was traveling years ago, I was, uh, in Costa Rica and I met a girl and she worked for the Canadian government and they, her job was to like, you know, they, they don't censor stuff, but all these incoming packages that are like videotapes and stuff like that, they do check to make sure it's not child porn and different types of, you know, uh, illicit behavior. So, um, she's like the average life span of that job is about two to four years max because people are so traumatized in the amount of time, the stuff that she's seen and like, she was awesome, but yeah, she was a little quirky I'd say. And she's like, no, but you don't understand what I've seen. I know what goes on. And on the other side, like it comes across the borders all the time yeah. and, you know, and we only see a percentage of it. So, um, yeah, like it's, yeah, you don't want to be there. Like it's not, it's not a good place. No, yeah. there's, there's, there's no protection either. Um, yeah. I, I think the biggest problem right now is the internet is so disparate and it's a global issue. It's not just a Tennessee issue. It's not just a New York issue. It's not just a U.S. issue. It's a global fucking issue. We need a global court to take care of global fucking crimes. The, the problem that we have right now is that as hackers, and I'm sure pedophiles are the same way, they know where they can operate under which law will be the least uh, persecution or prosecution and how much jail time each area that they want to operate in will deliver. You know, it's why you still had the Russian business network for years, because that was the place to go commit crimes, whether it be banking or hacking, whatever, we knew that was a safe network. Um, And I think that there's a lot of places now, data centers, especially that have catered to kind of the underground. You're starting to see, government and law enforcement start to crack crack open that vault and say hey look you know you've been hiding behind this badge way too long yeah yeah you know that's crazy too because like a couple of years ago i was trying to build an engine that did a predictive threat analytics on critical infrastructure mm-hmm. and like i had it up and i had it running and you know, there was a guy that was on your show before he got to see it uh work and like it's prime and just like the amount of of bad stuff that it was collecting like in near real time people were like i i had no idea i had one guy from one government entity that's like yep that's what we see every day you know Mm -hmm. yep yeah it's sad and it's not getting better look look at the way the ukraine uh russian ukraine went face to face and the russian soldiers were hitting up females on dating apps finding out their location, finding out, you know, if they had a boyfriend, was a boyfriend serving in the military? Where was he at? Where was he located? Um, and same thing with, with the Russians finding out that there were foreign military at that one army base just by picking up their MZ information from their cell phone. Tools that we use as hackers all the time, and they're using it in war to eliminate entire bases. Um, 
so I mean, just being able to control the internet, how the things that happen and the crimes that occur, I think is going to be impossible. However, we can do a better job at protecting kids. I think that we do as an industry, we do a really shitty job of protecting kids. And I don't think there's, I I don't think there's enough leaders in the industry that go out and actually talk about it. Um, I think it's one of those taboo things that we all have kids. We're all parents. We all know that things are scary. No, most people don't know just how scary they are. Um, and I think as an industry, we probably need to be more vocal about it. And I really appreciate Alex, you know, you going out and doing that every day. Um, it's super important and there's not enough people doing it. Yesterday I was at the um, Denver Cybersecurity Summit and the FBI was there. And part of the thing that they were talking about is how difficult it is now to trace these things because of how the different computer networks are set up through encrypted tunneling, you know, in each country. So it is, you know, it's getting more difficult. Um, I do believe that like we do, like they're getting well-funded because they're criminals, right? So But unfortunately, the people that are trying to combat this, because I got the same kind of answer you did, Mike, um, about, um, you know, like, here's all these all these things. I like handed um, like some check fraud stuff to a cop and it was like a Craigslist thing. And I had the guy come in. It's like I explained everything. And I'm like, I want this guy to come pick up this furniture. It was like one of those. I'll give you more than it's worth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, we don't have time. And yeah, don't worry about that. And I'm like, what do you mean? Don't worry about it. I'm like, I. He's like, well, that guy probably isn't involved. I'm like, well, probably, but I have him on the hook. All I need you to do is show up and then like do whatever you need to do. Like, I'm trying to help your investigation, but like, he's like, yeah, but the detective already has like a hundred, you know, other cases just like that. Um, and That's a problem. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it, you know, how do we find good cops, I guess. Is, and that's the hard thing because right now we have a huge division and like in, in the United States for sure. And other countries are having this, there is a massive division among everyone about everything right now. And it's, you know, the people that are truly hard, like are the kids, right? They're the ones getting hurt the worst because nobody's paying attention. I mean, I think in the nineties, we were yelling about Teletubbies you know, that's not what we need to be yelling about. We need to be talking about these things because they're like, those are the kids that are getting hurt right now. And, you know, it's, you're right. Like, so thank you for bringing it up. It's horrible and horrific. So, but yeah, at the same time, it needs to be talked about. But it's yeah. one of those topics that people dance around to, and it, yeah. it drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah. Like at a security conference, you'll hear stuff about OSINT. You'll hear stuff about, you know, how we track so-and-so or we track the, down this ransomware actor. But you never hear about, oh, this is how we tracked down this horrible pedophile that, you know, had been operating for 13 years out of his basement. You don't hear that stuff anymore. And that, that's why I'm like kind of concerned. Like, are we not catching those guys anymore? Or is that old news and nobody cares? Because if that's the case, then we have a bigger problem. Yeah, one of the things that I found when I first started doing this that was a little concerning was the first time I approached law enforcement. And I was like, hey, I know about this guy. This is what he's doing online. It was like, follow me, sir, to this back room. We're going to sit you down at a conference table and we're just going to interrogate you. And I'm like, I like, here's my screenshots. Here's word for word screenshots of what said. Like, you can clearly see I did not break any laws. Why are you treating me like a criminal? And then two or three hours go by and I leave. Nothing gets solved. And essentially, they're the same thing. We have so many cases. Well, I'm going to go back to my house. I'm going to do your case for you. And I'm going to do it faster than you can do it or anybody can do it. And I'm going to come back with all the evidence because that's, that's how we're built. Like our community is built. Like we're workhorses, you know, online. So I go back to this guy and I have like 200 pages not only do I have his address, I have like Google map photos of his house. I have a house layout from like a realtor site, just in case if they got to like kick the door in, you know, <laughs> like all, all this stuff. And he's like flipping through it and his eyes just keep getting bigger and bigger. And I'm like, oh yeah, if you like flip to the red tab, those are all the people that he associates with online. Dude opens it up. He looks at it. He gets about halfway down the page and he stops. 
and he goes pale and i was like oh you guys probably have an investigation going on on that guy i was like yeah i already looked up all the information on all those people too and like handed over and they're like thanks and then like you, you don't hear anything and then a couple weeks go by and you see it in the news and it's like that's cool but law enforcement agencies military you know they need to get rid of that like interrogation method i'm trying to like do my job as an american and you know protect my neighbors and mm. you're wanting to interrogate me like i'm a criminal over it like well, that's the whole mindset too that that's that's yeah. the way they operate like this morning no bullshit this morning i was gonna go get some x-rays done for the va walk outside my building downtown and i look down the street in front of the fbi building and there are three cops very large cops you know probably over six foot very robust, look like they played for Tennessee. And then there was a little lady with a stick. And I was like, okay, this is a little strange. You got three huge cops. It's early in the morning and they're surrounding this woman with a stick. Well, I looked a little bit closer and that stick was a walking cane. She was fucking blind. And here are the cops that have stopped her and I, I just noticed that the, the body position, the way they presented themselves, you know, hands on their hips, hands on their holster, grabbing their, you know, their, their bulletproof vest, just, you know, I'm big type body posture. And here's this meek little lady who can't see what they're doing anyway. She, she's blind. But <laughs> I guess what happened was the fact that she had a sign and she was asking for help and she needed money and she was blind. Those they put those things together, and here are these three huge cops stopping this one woman who's probably 4'11, while there's people right down the street that are fighting in front of a convenience store where all the homeless people hang out. And it's like that's the mentality that, that some cops get is they, they put on the badge and they think, okay, now I have to become this swollen person who needs to demand respect. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was a cop one time. I said, you know, instead of demanding respect and, and carrying yourself like you're going to steal respect, how about earning it? Like, how yeah. about sitting down with people and talking to them like human beings? But just like we're trained to look at scenarios and stuff on the internet and, and analyze packets and, and ones and zeros, and that's what we know, there's a lot of us who don't have people skills at all. Same thing with policemen. You know, they're, they're probably, they're trained to be, you know, interrogators and to be good cop, bad cop and, and push the limits. And they don't know anything outside of that. They don't know how to operate outside of those confines. So when someone like me or you goes to the cops and says, here's all the information, help me. The, the way that they're probably seeing it is here's all the information. Get off your lazy ass. I know you don't know what you're doing, but here's this case. That's probably how they take it. Oh, yeah. um, just like if a cop came to me and started talking about cybersecurity, I'd probably be like, mm -hmm. well, one of the, the interesting things is when I did some stuff with the military, like when we were doing the war, the war on terror was really kicking off. I had identified like a, a lot of really bad stuff online without going into a bunch of detail, but this mm -hmm. bad stuff was going to happen to some people unless if some people intervened and I went to the military and I was like, Hey, like I found this online strictly doing research, but I need to talk to you about it. We're not going to talk to you. John clears. Yeah, pretty much. And they're like, but we'll take your information. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to give you my information if you're not going to talk to me. Right. And uh, excuse me, we ended up talking, I don't know, for maybe almost six hours you know, once they, they had to have their higher ups come down, like the military police showed up, CID showed up. Like, I mean, it was pretty intense with the people that were there. And I explained to him, I mean, I went into detail on where I found the information, who was talking about it, like what these maps were that I had. And as soon as I pulled out the maps, the whole tone of the room changed. Oh yeah. And because they knew what those were, I had no idea what they were at that time and they they went into detail explaining to me what they were and it was like after that it was like thank you mr berta have a great day like if we need anything else we'll be in contact and i was like well that you know i just spent all day here but all right cool sure i don't know i don't know what else i can give you 
And within a couple of days, like I get a call from the army and they're like, Hey, like, can you come down? And like, we need to talk. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I mean, after that, their tone changed. I'm sure they did tons of background checks on me and everything in that time period. But like, that's an issue, you know, that people are going to run into and we still run into. Um, I do a lot of work with law enforcement because I'm a first responder as a firefighter. And like what you were talking about, you know, the big old macho guys like standing there, like I I've seen that, but I guess I'm lucky enough. Like where I live, the police officers here are awesome. Like they'll bend over backwards for you. Like uh, one of our guys here, a lady, she blew a tire on the side of the road, didn't have a spare, needed new tires he noticed all of her tires were bald. bought her new tires i saw that bought her brand new tires for her car mm-hmm. didn't ask for any money back he didn't even give her his name like yeah. i mean it was i'll have it towed for you by one of our guys down at the auto shop you go eat lunch across the street put brand new tires on it and then brought it right back to her and left didn't That's ask awesome. any anything i mean those are the type of people you know law enforcement i also live in a small town so that we see but you know you go to these larger towns and it's not like that and and i've got to work with some of those people where like it's like oh you see my badge it's so shiny like whatever and it's like dude like i just break in the computers and do computer stuff like i could buy like 20 of those online you know so (laughs) even your uniform (laughs) yeah may not fit, but I can buy one. Yeah. No, I, I just think that, you know, with law enforcement, you're going to have your, your good, your bad, and your ugly in every group. Um, and when you have, when you look at a group like law enforcement, it's so large. Um, when you talk about industries, it's probably one of the largest industries um, just because of what they do. And, of course, you're going to have good, bad, and ugly in those. Same thing with any group. Um, it's just, you can't avoid it. It's just human nature. But, you know, one thing I think that, we're missing too as a society. I remember as a kid watching um, what was it, Unsolved Mysteries, and then there was another one with the father who uh, had a crime show. I think it was called Most Wanted or something like that. And his son was actually a victim of uh, being abducted when he was a kid. And so you don't see that on TV anymore. You don't see those primetime television shows that, you know, they're looking for, for criminals or, or they're actively doing this. Like that's gone away. Like cops isn't even on anymore. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, I think there's a lot of things lacking. And when you look at politics, when you look at the country in general, I think the media has a lot to do with the trash that we see. Um, the new, major news outlets all they do is try to push the media and the news that's going to further their platform. Um, Fox news, CNN, all that stuff is politically driven, you know, for, I always tell people for lack of better terms, this is state run media, right? Don't get me wrong. The only time you get independent is when you have podcasts like this or Joe Rogan or whoever that speak their mind that goes against that. But I think the media is responsible for a lot of desensitizing kids. I think it has. I think it is responsible for the lack of parenting. I think a lot of what the media has done has separated people instead of bringing them together. And when you watch the news now, I mean, it's all about separation and division. Um, and that's one way a government. You know, it's not. It's not a secret to know that. Um, first thing government wants to do to keep control is divide and conquer, right? don't get us all on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. That's when everybody's the most dangerous. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So tell me what you do outside of your, your many hats. Like what do you do to relax? Oh, that's a great question. So I do a lot of 3d printing, like yeah, a yeah. lot. So let's see, uh, hopefully it will show up, but nice. Know, I like it. it. Gizmo. Gizmo. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I do a lot of that and I, I give a lot of them away. So people will message me and they'll be like, can you make me this? And I'm like, absolutely. And then I'll paint it and I'll, I'll ship it to them. And, you know, I, I get enjoyment out of it. It's a good way for me to relax. Um, so I do a lot of that and off-roading, you know, just country life, fishing. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound weird and it, it it's not work related, but a lot of innovating, mm-hmm. like, uh, behind me in my closet, there are a couple of servers and, you know, I'm trying, 
I try to build new technologies. Like I've had people tell me, oh, you, you can't build that. Like the technology is not here. Well, let me prove you wrong. Right. Exactly. 3D printing is awesome. I, yeah. I, I like my whole sidewall. I have three regular 3D printers and then I have a resin printer okay. and um, I just, they're, they're running like 24 seven. I have a yeah, question my- for both of you actually real quick. So did be- either of you do the like D&D figurine painting back in the day? I did. Yeah, I was, I love, like those were really cool, but I didn't do a ton of them, but I, I just was curious. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. doing those now. I'm not doing D&D, but I'm printing chess sets. So I oh, printed, awesome. printed one that was Egyptian undead versus alive. And then now I'm doing Star Wars, the Empire versus the Rebels. So that's awesome. I've been printing a lot of RC car parts. Really? For people oh. like I guess it's like a whole untapped market for those out there that are looking for a, a niche market, you know, RC car parts. But I don't own an RC car, so like I print them. And I'm like, yeah, I hope that's right. Throw them in a box and send them out, and everybody seems to like them. Be, you know, that's it's awesome. just expensive. Like I had a, a buddy of mine in Florida. He like got really into them and like was taking them out to the tracks. I mean, those like it's a very expensive hobby because you're constantly having to replace those parts. So that's like an awesome, yeah, that's a niche market for yeah, sure. Yeah. Like people yeah. will like reach out and they'll be like, I scan this thing and I'm like, well, what is it? And they'll like, tell me it's some part in their RC car. Can you print it for me? And they'll like, tell me the percentage and everything. And I'm like, how do you know about this? Like, 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 like infill percentage. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like infill, <laughs> like, use these supports because like i heard these supports will damage it and i'm like okay and i'll do it and it comes out it comes out great and i'll shoot it to them and then they're like oh yeah man this thing works it's flawless like my car is five percent faster because the info i'm like i don't know how you know all that yeah i mean we're talking like 600 to a thousand dollars like car for a car and like constantly replacing those and they usually have like two three yeah it's a it's a crazy hobby but i mean it's really fun but yeah so, so is three so is 3d printing like i have yeah. two i don't even have the setup he has i have two ender realities or crowdy ender threes and i keep them running like 24 7 um, yeah but for me it was just like printing like shit that i wanted that i didn't that didn't want to go buy like a bunch of gothic lanterns. So I, I started doing all these like gothic lanterns. I've got them hanging up all over my apartment stuff. But 3D printing is, is a perfect mix of art and technology, I think. Mm-hmm. And the things you can do is like I have, I've run both of mine with Octopi and I've got the apps on my phone where I can adjust and tune on the fly. Like there's so many things you can do with it. And the fact of the future of 3D printing, I think is so exciting and so cool. Like how cool is it that they can start printing fucking human organs with yeah. Yeah. a 3D printer? Like that's amazing. Um, so I wanted a piece of that. I've been waiting for probably about 10 years to buy my first printer because back when it first came out, they were like 10 grand a piece. And those were for the itty bitty ones that didn't print shit. I have now- one of those tiny ones. It sits <laughs> in my closet. Yeah, it sits in my closet, collects dust. And then I have a the, the Ender 3, the Ender 5 Pro, uh, and then a Mono Price. Uh, not mono price, a uh, any cubic resin oh, printer, nice. and you know it prints small stuff, but it it works. But with yeah. the, the the printing body parts, funny story, I I had my knee rebuilt after like many years of just trashing my joints and stuff, mm-hmm. and I was in the hospital. And my first consult, they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna get in there and put this stuff in your knee. You'll feel better." I'm like, "No," and he's like, "What do you mean no?" I was like, "I want a robot leg." Or like a 3D printed leg. He's like, he's like, no. So I go back a couple of days later after all my test results come back and they're like, yeah, we're going to do this, this. I'm like, look, dude, like I found the STL file online. Like I can print a new knee and I can get somebody the CNC cut the rest of it. Right. And he was like, no. And uh, the day, the <laughs> the day of my knee surgery because I I was in a lot of pain I had shredded like everything in my knee and uh they were like you know drawing the cut here don't cut here yeah and I was I I drew like robot leg and a little like terminator face and the doctor came in he's like yeah we we've been over this like 
a hundred times. So they're wheeling me back into the, the OR and I'm like, <laughs> so you got your 3D printers fired up? And all I remember is, let's go ahead and put him to sleep now. <laughs> and I was just like, that's awesome. I wanted my I wanted my robot leg, you know, but I don't blame you, not- man. I had had my new uh, reconstruct not reconstructed, but two ACL replacements. And what I found was the hardware that they use in your knee is not a whole lot different than the hardware you can buy at like Lowe's or, or Home Depot. <laughs> so yeah, I think 3D printing would be a great idea. Um, Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. We definitely Thank have you. to have an episode two because there's so many other things we need to cover that we weren't able to cover in this hour, but I definitely want to have you back. So work with Kim and and let's make that happen. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. You blew me away. I've been waiting to like for this podcast. I mean, I, you know, obviously like been connected with you for a while, but at the same time, I mean, like all the stuff that you just like, we just went over. Yeah. There definitely needs a, a second episode. Like you're just, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, we've actually been talking for a couple of years now on LinkedIn, and we've been tossing around the idea of having him on the show, and we've kept in contact. But then when you said, "Yeah, yeah, Alex Bird is going to be on Friday," I was like, "About time." <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, I know my schedule has been nuts, and like you know, there's a lot that's happening online right now, keeping oh, us tons. busy. So, yeah, for sure. All right, well, I appreciate it, and uh, you know, any last words or, or anything to, to pass on? Uh, thank you guys for having me on and uh, I guess I never stop innovating and, you know, don't let anybody tell you that something can't be done because you know, it can be. Absolutely. hundred percent. All right. Well, I will, uh, until next time, I hope everybody stays safe and uh, don't forget to do your cybersecurity awareness training. I know that's coming up. So anyways, see you guys next time. Have fun. Bye guys.